Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Heartway. Oh, man, somebody's got some energy back there. Yeah, a couple cups of that coffee, huh, bro? I love you guys. I was going to say, you're going to leave me hanging like that? Come on. You know what I'm saying? Brother trying to show you some love. That's why everybody's so, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and speaking of love, the question was proposed to us, do you know that God loves you? And at times we believe God does. But a lot of times we're not really sure. And a major reason as to why it's hard for us to connect to that awareness that we are loved by God is because we're looking in the wrong space. We're looking externally for a love that can be received. Whereas actually, in actuality, we are the embodiment of God's love. My very being here is confirmation that God loves me, but also I am the embodiment of it. That it's not just outside of me, it's inside of me. And I want to give you a quick little example of this. There was a spiritual teacher by the name of Muji. And they were having satsang, this spiritual event where people gathered together. And he was asked by a reporter, Muji, what is your master's greatest teaching? And Muji said, I am my master's greatest teaching. I am the love of God. Internalize what it means to be the love of God, that it is in God's love that I live, I move, and I have my being. And my job is not to search for God's love, but to connect with it within myself. And so this is a beautiful opportunity to work on that a little bit. So I just invite you to get comfortable in your own time, you may close your eyes. And just as you do naturally, just breathe. As you inhale, feel the air going in your nose. 
and escaping gently out of your mouth. Give yourself the freedom of having no responsibilities here. As you breathe, release all judgment. Release all tension. every breath, feel the tension removing itself from your muscles, from your shoulders, your chest, your arms, your legs, your neck. Feel the peace overwhelming you. Observe any sensations that are appearing in your body. Don't label them, just observe. Notice the safety of being only the observer. Just observe and feel the peace of that. The next time you hear me say now, we're going to take 
a communal breath together as we inhale we will set the intention of feeling God's love and grace in a tangible way filling our body and when we exhale every ounce of heaviness, every ounce of stress, we will see it scurrying out of us. We will feel it leaving our flesh as it submerses us deeper into peace. And we will experience that now. Anticipate my next word. There's no one speaking to you. There's no one here.
as your awareness comes back into your body, soak in this power, this love like a sponge. Know that these are not words, they are the truth of what you are. And ever so gently, in your own time, you may open your eyes. We love you and we thank you, Hartway. Howdy. Happy Sunday. I was uh, talking to somebody before service, and they were like, yeah, this is like my first time at a church. I was like, you're so lucky. God loves you. If this is your first church experience, God really loves you because you are being spared of a lot of things. It's funny because uh, Raphael, uh, he... He shared a few words maybe a month or two ago, and every time there's folks from Hartway who have gone through their own sort of church religious trauma, he's like, you know, I have no idea what you guys are talking about because Hartway is my only church experience, and I genuinely do believe that uh, God really loves you if that's the case because there are so many people who have actually called Hartway their last stop. Literally, I've heard, I've heard those words out of people's mouths. Somebody already raised their hand in the back. It's like, I, I'm done. I've experienced so much of the craziness and the hypocrisy and the morality and the rule keeping and the, the dogma in church that I'm over it. This is my last stop. And it's beautiful to me that a space like this can exist where you can be who you are and be loved that way. We're not trying to change you. We're not even trying to get you to believe anything. If anything, I'm trying to get you to unbelieve and unlearn all of the junk that has limited you from becoming everything it is that God has called you to be. And this community, in my mind, is a miracle, an absolute miracle for a lot of reasons. I'll get into some of that this morning when I start to share. This is all just extra. <laughs> But number one, COVID was a big thing. I know a lot of pastor friends who had churches and then COVID happened and now they don't have churches anymore. For a lot of folks after COVID leading a spiritual community, they realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is kind of like starting over. There's only a third of the congregation we had before 2020. You know, some of y'all were not here when there was like 10 chairs and one of them was on that side. The other one was on this other side. Everybody was wearing masks. It was so awkward. We couldn't hug each other or, or like shake hands. And then financially, obviously with everything that's going on in, in our country right now, everybody's feeling it. It was no different with religious communities and spiritual communities. And then on top of that, I went through a dang divorce. I went through a divorce, and this church is still here. I, have, I literally have had pastors call me and say, hey, 
I'm going through a divorce. My church is a mess. There's so much drama. There's so much problems. Danny, how are you doing it? And I'm like, well, you can't fake love. If you're just judging and blaming and being bitter and playing, in all, playing into all the negativity, of course there's going to be problems. Of course. But we got such a solid foundation of love and acceptance in this place that not even something as crazy as a divorce can stop this from happening. And I love it. And what's crazy is, I can't tell you how many times, especially during the first you know, four to six months after the divorce, where I was thinking in my mind, I don't know if I, if I even want to keep doing this. I don't know if I have the energy to do it. I, I just want to like crawl in a hole, you know? Because it's like a, a, another human being, they'll go through something like that, and you know, maybe just a couple people in their life knows. Nobody really cares. When you go through it somewhat in a public way, that also comes with its own heaviness and challenge. And so there were a bunch of times I just wanted to crawl into a hole and disappear. I don't want to talk to nobody. Let me just get out completely, remove myself from the equation. If it wasn't for people like Gabby, Ryan, Cliff, a bunch of our other leaders who were like, yeah, no, that's funny, but no. <laughs> and I got to see the passion and energy coming from other people when I didn't have it within myself. And that gave me the energy to keep going. And so I want you to know at the outset of this morning that uh, as much as you feel that I've impacted your life, you all have been impacting me tremendously. It's why I keep showing up. It's why I keep doing what I'm doing. Because of all of that feedback that you give about how positive of an experience you've had here in this community. And I'm looking forward to however much longer God's going to have us doing this. But I do know that it's not guaranteed. Things happen. Life happens. Who knows? You know what I mean? And for me, like I said, in that 2020 period, I'm looking at the bank account. I'm looking at the Hartway bank account. I'm thinking, I don't know how much longer we're going to last doing this. Even if I want to do it, I don't really know how, you know? I mean, we have such a nice facility. People walk in here and they're like, oh, Hartway's, you know, balling. They're so nice. You know that? When, there were times where I'm like, I don't, what happened? Yeah. So, anyways, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so happy that we get to do this. And Heartway is spiritual community for the rest of us. You know, for people who uh, maybe they have a, a challenging relationship with religion for whatever reason. This is not a religious place in that sense. It's more spiritual. Spirituality is like that essence of all religion. Religion without spirituality is dead. Spirituality is about your way of life your way of perceiving reality. And so if all of this information, if all of these scriptures, if all of these words don't move from your head to your heart, they're worthless. And in religious settings, sometimes it only stays up here in the head. It's all about just having the right answers. Oh, do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes, all right, you're going to heaven when you die, great. And now you can just be a jerk and not live like Jesus at all, and it's totally fine. No problem. 
you know? So I'm, I'm not really interested in, in converting people to Christianity. I don't care about that. I want you to be Christ-like. That's what matters. So the title of today's message is The Undivided Life. And the one word that I think sums up what I mean by that phrase, undivided life, is the word integrity. I heard a little cheesy joke about a man who asked a philosopher, what is integrity? And the, and the philosopher said, integrity is who you are when nobody is looking. Then the man asked a business person, what is your definition of integrity? And he said, Integrity is when you follow through on what you say. And then he asked a lawyer, what is integrity? And the lawyer closed the door, pulled down the shades, went to the man and whispered in his ear, what do you want it to be? <laughs> the word integrity is, divide, is, is derived from the root word integer. In math, an integer is a whole number as opposed to a fraction. So the idea of integrity um, brings this notion of wholeness, completeness, entirety. Integrity is also related to the word integrated. To be an integrated individual means that you have been able to harmonize all aspects of your personality into one indivisible whole. So... And that includes your weaknesses, your failures, your screw-ups, your mess-ups, especially those parts of your personality and your character. If you deny those aspects of your personality and character, that means you're fragmented. When you're fragmented, you say one thing and you do another. One day you're like this, another day you're like that. In front of these people, you act in a certain way. In front of those people, you act in another way. But a person who speaks and acts with integrity maintains consistency. They are who they are in front of this person and in front of that person. They are who they are when people are around and when no one is around. See, we're born already whole and integral, meaning there's no distinction between what's going on within us and what's going on outside of us. So children are the best example of this. When they're angry, they're angry. When they're tired, they're tired. When they're hungry, they're hungry, and you're going to know. When they're sad, they're sad. There's no governor or filter in their mind that tells them, oh, let me not express this emotion so that I can be accepted. Let me hide this so that people think I'm stronger than I really am because I don't want anybody to know that I actually feel really weak and that I need help right now. That's why we love kids because they are fully themselves. They are operating in their most natural state, a state of wholeness, a state of integration. How is it that we come to lose this sense of wholeness and integration. How do we lose this capacity as human beings to be who we really are all the time? Well, for some of us, it starts with our family. You know, we had to behave a certain way in front of some people. We can't tell these people about this stuff that's happening at home. Maybe in school, we picked it up. And you learn that if you wanted to fit in with this particular group, you gotta show up in a certain way. 
And so somewhere along the line, we get to this point where we feel that it's not safe to be fully authentic. We feel like we may get marginalized. We may get made fun of. We may get rejected. We may get denied if we show people our true colors and who we really are. And there's a lot of people in our society today who deal with this when it comes to their sexual identity, when it comes to their political ideologies, when it comes to the way that they're rethinking cultural and religious norms. I mean, if I share this stuff with the people closest to me, what are they going to think about me? I mean, all we do is make fun of people like that, and now I'm like that. You know, all, all we do is talk smack about those people over there. And now I just, I changed my mind and now I'm one of those people. So what's going to happen to my in-group? What's going to happen to this community that I'm a part of if I start to express myself as I really am? Especially people who are dealing with sexual identity stuff. It's like, well, if I tell somebody I'm gay, if I tell somebody that, you know, um, I'm a lesbian or I'm bi or whatever it is, what are they going to think? I'm going to get judged. I'm going to get disliked. I'm going to be hated. I'm going to get made fun of. And so because we have to deal with these, these realities, a lot of us just choose to take on a role, put on a mask that will make us acceptable to other people. But eventually there comes a point in life where living in that sort of divided way causes way too much agony and pain. The gap between who we are and how we're showing up in this world is so wide and so broad that we are dying on the inside because we're really just pretending. And it becomes unbearable. Life becomes unbearable when you cannot show the world who you really are, when you cannot live into the fullness of who you are. Some people manage to live their whole lives just playing the socially acceptable role. And, and for them, it's better to do that because the cost is too high if I am completely honest about how I feel or what I think. There are relational costs involved. There are financial costs involved. You know, and I get it. Some people, they, they feel like that's just what they have to do. They're in too deep now. But for others, when the suffering becomes too intense... When wearing that mask gets too tiresome, eventually those people decide to close that gap, to build a bridge between who they actually are and how they're showing up in this world. And those are the boldest people in the world, the people who are willing to unashamedly and unapologetically be themselves, no matter what the cost is. I mean, imagine being on your deathbed, looking back at your life and thinking, I was never really able to be who I am. I was never really able to show up as my fullest self. I always had to dim my light. I always had to hide. Now imagine being at the end of your life and being able to look back and say, you know what, to the best of my ability, in my relationships, in my work, with my family, and with myself, I was able to be true to who I am. I was able to be my most authentic self. That is my definition of a life well lived. 
And just because you're living doesn't mean you're fully alive. To be fully alive is to love the life that you live. And you will never be able to fully love the life that you live until you break off those shackles of inauthenticity that family, culture, religion, tradition has conditioned you to put on just so that you can belong. If you were to take a moment and reflect on the entirety of your life from this point backwards, can you honestly say that your life has been a gift? Can you reflect on your life and say, this life is such a blessing? If you had the opportunity to live it again, would you want to? Or are you saying, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's really something that I want to do. In my estimation, if you can't love your life, you are settling for less than what God has for you. And the only way to get to that point that you can really love your life is by no longer denying yourself and denying your truth, but being who you are no matter what happens as a result of it. Carl Jung, the very popular psychoanalyst, said the privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. Experiencing that is worth giving up everything for, especially all of the images and facades that we put on just to fit in. I know for myself, leading this community, when we started, I actually still had an affiliation and a connection with the Southern Baptist Convention. Seems like a whole other lifetime. And they operate in a very different way than, than Hartway does. But at that time, you know, that, that world is what I was a part of. I was trained in seminary school and I had so many connections in that world and that's where the money was, you know, because it's the big institution, it's the establishment. So I was raising funds for Hartway from these very conservative, traditional, evangelical institutions. And there came a time where very rapidly I started to question everything about my faith. I went through that process of making my faith my own. And somehow I ended up kind of leaving the trajectory that they were on. I started to uh, see things differently than how I was taught to see them. And that created a lot of rifts, a lot of relationships were broken because there were people who um, didn't feel like they could continue to associate with me if I would say the things that I was saying, if I was espousing the views that I was espousing. And so me putting myself out there, saying what I needed to say, also knowing that there may be people within the walls of Hartway who may have an issue with me saying the things that I say, who may have some ideological conflicts with the views that I espouse. And I had to somehow find the courage to be true to myself. Because in my mind, it's like, I'm not going to do this if I can't be myself as I'm doing it. Because I can't tell you how many other leaders in positions like mine just play the role because if they don't, now the money's not going to come in. Because that person who gives a lot, oh, they don't believe that way. 
So you got to make sure that you kind of say things in a way that pleases everybody. Money will make you do that kind of stuff, especially when it comes to religion. So that was a cost that I had to pay. The funds that, we, that Heartway was receiving from um, the SBC and from other networks like them in this area, I had to put to a stop. There came a point where I'm like, look, I can't continue to take funds with integrity because we're going in a different direction. Y'all don't even let women speak from the platform. And that, you know, that's, that's, that was one example of many. One, one little tiny example, you know? Forget the LGBTQ thing, that's a, and forget, oh yeah, you know, people can find God through, through any religious path. Forget, you know, all of that stuff. There were so many little things that made me feel like I couldn't take money with integrity anymore. That, that's a big, big price to pay. And for a long time, I felt alone, like there was no one that I can really be fully honest with about the questions that I have and the things that I'm unraveling within myself. And, and there's a lot of people who feel like that right now. There's a lot of people who are stuck in religious systems, in family systems, where they feel like they can't be open and honest about how they live their life and who they are and what they believe. And they're afraid to talk about it to others because of the repercussions that may come. I love these words from the Gospel of Thomas. Um, this is not a book that's found in the scriptures, uh, but it's a, it's a book of sayings that are attributed to Jesus. Some of these sayings find parallels in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Others don't. Uh, I like to glean wisdom wherever I can find it, and I like these words attributed to Jesus, whether it's historical or not. I don't care. Um, but it's from the Gospel of Thomas. It says, if you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Very simply put, there is something bubbling up on the inside of you. And if you don't get that out, you're, it's going to eat you up alive on the inside. If you give birth to it, that will be your salvation. If you hold it in, it will destroy you from the inside out. Many of you have experienced that feeling yourself. I was out um, a couple years ago with a buddy of mine who's a pastor. We were walking downtown and we came across another pastor from my friends like network and denomination. And that guy was like, I think he was like either smoking a cigarette or hitting a J. I don't know what he was doing. But he was out there just living his best life. But when he, saw, when he saw my friend, when he saw my friend, his eyes went up like this, super wide. He said, oh, shiitake. <laughs> he went like this to try and hide. And I'm like, wow, 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 wow. There was so much that went through my mind as I saw this happen. Poor guy. Because, you know, he's a part of a religious system and community where there's some things that you just can't do, especially if you're somebody in that kind of a position. Nothing wrong, per se, with what he was doing in that moment, but he felt like he had to hide that because if that person knows what I really like to do, what happens if the word gets out? You see, when you live 
out of integrity, you always got to look over your shoulder. You know, you always have to be careful that you don't get caught and you don't get seen. What kind of a life is that? What kind of a life is that? Where you always have to hide. You always have to look over your shoulder. You have to always make sure you're not going to get caught. That is, is misery. That is its own form of misery. So here's a little pithy proverb that I seek to live by. If you feel like something is wrong, don't do it. But if you do it, own it. Okay? When you don't own it, that's when you become fragmented as an individual, which means there are aspects of yourself that you are hiding or denying or repressing just so that you can fit in and belong. What's funny is when you live in a fragmented way like that, oftentimes these people aren't even aware of their stuff. While they're judging other people, they're also guilty of doing the same things. No, I'm not proud. I'm not selfish. I'm not arrogant. I don't do those things that that other person does. And meanwhile, they are totally blinded to all of the ways that that is actually true of them. When you own it, that is when your life becomes undivided. An undivided life is a life of integrity, which means you're consistent. You're consistent in front of this person. You're consistent in front of that person. You are who you are who you are. So if it's a mistake, own it. If it's not a mistake, but other people in your circle think it is, own it. Don't try and hide it. Own it. And by owning it, the truth will set you free. That's it. So owning yourself means you don't judge yourself for it anymore. That's all it is. I accept this as a part of who I am. I have this struggle. I have this issue. I accept it and it's a part of who I am. And maybe it's not a struggle. Maybe it's not an issue. Maybe me smoking a cigarette downtown is not a problem. You think it's a problem. But if I don't think it's a problem, then it's not a problem. I'm just saying, you know, for that guy. You know, I, I, I'm not, that's not my thing, you know. <laughs> Y'all are, are going to see me now with a cig somewhere. You may see me with a cigar. I had a, it's so funny. I had a pastor friend of mine in New York. He has like a membership to a cigar place. And he took me there and he's like, oh, you're Cuban, right? Try this Cuban cigar. I was smoking it and, and uh, drinking a little whiskey with the cigar. And it was nice. And then by the end of it, I was so lightheaded. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. I guess I was doing it wrong. I don't know what. So... It's, it's not my thing, but if it's your thing, let it be your thing. You know, just own it without judging yourself for it. And when you own it, you may realize, hey, maybe this isn't wrong. Maybe this is just how people think about it. But that doesn't mean I need to think about it in that way, too. So I was listening to a, a teacher by the name of Adya Shani, and he says, the most difficult and transformative spiritual practice that he has implemented in his life, and you know about this, is telling the truth all the time. If you really want to grow spiritually and put yourself through a tough test, commit yourself to telling the truth all the time. If you really seek out to do that, you'll start to notice all of the small, subtle ways that you shade the truth. For whatever reason it may be, 
You feel one way, but yeah, no, everything's fine. I'm okay. Yeah, no, no, it's not a big deal. Everything's good. You shade the truth just a little bit. And we do that for a lot of reasons. We do that because of fear. We do that because of insecurity. We do that because of shame. What if you made the decision to tell the truth all the time so that you can live as authentically as possible? You will be shocked at how often you build up these lies. And it's not a guilt thing. It's just a way for you to realize I'm out of alignment with my most authentic self. And I'm doing that for a specific reason. And that reason tends to be rooted in fear. So maybe if I uproot that fear, I can actually be myself and live in the freedom of the truth. Just expressing my truth like a child. And if the child imagery doesn't work for you, you know, the other night I was at Blue Martini. I didn't realize it was like a 50 plus bar. <laughs> but I love it because... You know, I'm seeing, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm realizing, you know, when I'm there, I'm, I love seeing these, these, these folks just dancing so freely. It was so, I love watching people dance, you know, especially like older folks. I love that. It's just like this, it's just so free. They don't care who's watching. They don't care, you know, who's around them. So it's either be like a kid or be like the 65-year-old at Blue Martini it doesn't, who's dancing their life away. It doesn't matter but just be authentically yourself. Now, this doesn't mean just dump all of your opinions and judgments on other people without any regard for them. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is just being direct, open, and honest about how you feel instead of hiding the truth of how you feel and carrying that on the inside of you all the time. One of the main reasons why we hide and we shade the truth is also because we want to control and manipulate people and situations. And that's, that's the real truth. Sometimes we're just trying to make things work out in the way that we think they need to work out. So we try and shade the truth. A lot of us aren't concerned with being honest. We just want to be strategic so that we can move things around the way that we want to. Because being truthful comes with uncertainty. It comes with uncomfortability. It may lead to conflict. That's one of the reasons why Danny Prada has avoided being a truth teller oftentimes. He's like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to. I don't like fighting. I don't like problems. I don't like conflict. Meanwhile, I'm betraying myself. I'm in conflict within myself. So there really is no peace. I'm just pretending like there's peace. But on the inside, there's none. The truth will set you free. That's how Jesus put it. Conflict is inevitable. Conflict is the inevitable result of being who you are and speaking your truth. Now, like anything else that I say, don't make hard and fast rules about this. There may be times when it is wise to withhold your opinion, where it may be wise to withhold your judgment, where it may be wise not to say what you really feel in this particular situation. That actually may be an act of love in a certain circumstance, but it also can be an act of self-betrayal. So you've got to be mindful of what's happening in that moment. There are some people who cannot handle and contain the fullness of who you are. 
sometimes we, we dim our light just to make other people comfortable. Sometimes we dim our light just because we're afraid of what the consequence and outcome of that will be. And that's not something that's very virtuous or honorable. But there are other times where we choose to dim our light because we don't have to constantly be reasserting our identity to other people. We're safe and secure in who we are, so I don't always have to assert that in my interactions with everybody. I was uh, reading something on, on a sports page on Instagram, and they were talking about Kobe Bryant and LeBron James on the 2008 uh, U.S. Olympic basketball team. And this commentator was saying, when Kobe and LeBron were on the same team, it was two alphas, two strong leaders who didn't care who the leader or alpha was. Isn't that beautiful? They're both, you, you would imagine a situation like that where you have greatness, two incredible leaders, alphas, on the same team, oh, they're going to clash. No, but the true alpha, I hate that language and word, by the way, but I'm just using it because of the... Instagram post, the true leader doesn't care about setting themselves up as the leader. I'm the leader and you better follow and listen to me. No, they're so secure in themselves that, okay, you could do it. That's fine. I'll, I'll be number two. It's okay. You're secure in who you are. So you just got to be mindful and discerning about whether you're dimming your light just out of fear or comfortability or if, or maybe you're doing it as an act of love. But Whatever you do, don't let fear stop you from showing people who you really are and from living into the fullness of that. All of us have been trained by society to perform. We, we protect ourselves by withholding things, by hiding things, by not sharing things so that we don't offend other people, so we don't hurt other people. People will get offended. People will get hurt. There is no way around that. The other side of that is, if you're willing to stick to your truth and be true to yourself, you actually open up the possibility to establish a deeper relationship and a deeper connection with the people in your life. Conflict can lead to deeper intimacy. It can lead to a greater connection. But you have to be willing to go there and avoiding conflict Oh, man, avoiding conflict, it, it can seem like everything is fine. And then from one day to the next, you realize that it's not. Because when it comes out, it comes out. You didn't bring forth what was in you. And by the time it comes out, it's just destroying everybody at that point. I heard a psychotherapist say that after 20 years of practice, 20 years of doing individual <laughs> counseling sessions with people, he has come to the conclusion that the greatest source of mental anguish and distress in his patients' lives has been lying. The number one cause after 20 years of practice. I don't think we realize how much stress we put on ourselves by not speaking our truth, by pretending, by trying to avoid being found out, by not owning it. Inauthenticity is a burden, and it's a heavy burden to carry. 
And, it's, and inauthenticity is the source of so much of our mental health issues. The cure is radical honesty. Being completely honest about what you've done, what you think, and how you feel. A lot easier said than done. Nobody does this right 100% of the time. But it is a worthy goal to move towards because it's where your freedom lies. There was a while ago that I had um, a couple of grievances with, with somebody, and I chose not to express this because I wanted to keep the peace. And the real reason was because I was afraid of their reaction. In my mind, I assumed that if I'm honest with this person about what some issues are that I have, if I give this person any sort of feedback or critique, they're probably going to blow up on me. They're probably just going to become something that I don't want them to become, and then I'm going to have to deal with something that I don't want to deal with. Well, finally, after a long time of just holding stuff in, holding stuff in, it had to come out. I had to finally say something to this person. And I was, I was a little scared. I was a little nervous. I'm like, and it was a woman, too. I was like, she's going to beat me up, dude. She's going to beat me up. She's not going to be good with this. Can I tell you something? When I finally shared these words with her, that was the most, she was so humble. She was so pleasant to talk to. She was so easy to talk to. And she was like, well, why didn't you tell me? Why, why, why were you holding this in the whole time? I was like, I, I, I thought you were going to be mad at me. I thought you were going to get angry. I thought you were going to just start all this, these problems with me. So I just, I, I just avoided it. She was like, you didn't even give me a chance to show you who I am. You just guessed. You assumed. And our relationship grew closer because of that. Now, things don't always end this clean and neat when you decide to do this. But you may be surprised sometimes. You may be surprised. And you'll have a better shot of conflict leading to intimacy if you learn how to express how you feel in the appropriate manner. Okay, so how I consider that is, how can I express the way that I feel truthfully and honestly without Blaming that other person for it. You know, people love to say, you make me feel this way. I used to love saying that. You made me angry. You're the reason why. No, nobody makes you feel nothing. You feel the way you feel because that's how you are interpreting the situation that you're in. And if there was another person in the same situation, they may not feel like that. So it's not the situation, it's you. Your feelings are real. Your feelings are valid. Your feelings got to be expressed and given life. But how can I do that in a way that doesn't put the blame on that, on another human being? That takes practice. Some of us can't do it. And we just need to just get out how we feel and be 100% authentic and honest and let the chips fall where they will. But you can also mitigate a little bit of the damage by learning how to express yourself in a way that's honest, authentic, direct, real, without judging and blaming others. I learned recently that the root word of courage in the Latin is core, and it literally means heart. 
Living with courage means living from the heart. Most of us as human beings live from our head. The head is always calculating. The heart is always willing to take risks. Like one teacher says, the heart is a gambler. The head is a businessman. If you want to live a courageous life, an authentic life, it's going to take a lot of boldness and risk-taking and comfortability with uncomfortability. It's called living from the heart. Don't settle for anything less than that. Look at this quote from Brene Brown. She expounds on this very well. She says, in one of its earliest forms, the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Over time, this definition has changed. And today, courage is more synonymous with being heroic. Heroics is important, and we certainly need heroes, but I think we've lost touch with the idea that speaking honestly and openly about who we are, about what we're feeling, and about our experiences, whether good or bad, is the real definition of courage. Heroics is often putting our life on the line. Ordinary courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line. In today's world, that is pretty extraordinary. And I'm with her in that. Uh, there's this really cool principle in quantum physics called the observer effect. Have you talked about this before? You're going to let me do it? Sometimes, as soon as the science stuff comes, I just look at Ryan. And so he's like, don't do that this time, bro. You, 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 you handle it. Because <laughs> he, he can just spit it off the top of his head. I love it. But anyways, in quantum physics, they have this principle called the observer effect. They did an experiment called the double slit experiment. And what they concluded from this was that particles behave differently when they are being observed. Okay, that's really nerdy and cool. Particles behave one way when no one is watching. But as soon as there's someone watching, those particles start behaving differently. That's the observer effect. That is true not just at an atomic level, but at a relational level. Is it not true for those of us in this room and listening online today that when people are watching, we behave and act differently? It's just the reality of being human. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But again, how, how can we get closer and closer to being our most authentic self, which involves being consistent whether there are people watching or not? A lot of us feel like we can't do that, so we live a divided life. Why? Because we're afraid of being judged. There are some of us in this room, we wonder why the people closest to us don't share certain aspects of their life with us. How could I, how could I have not known this? Why don't, why don't they share these things with me? Well, it's because you're judgmental, bro. And I can't tell you nothing because you're going you're gonna to judge me and, and, and shame me and, and be mean to me and tell me how I'm not living my life right. And who's going to want to talk to you if you're like that? Nobody. So we're afraid of that judgment. And so we, we, we rather hide and, and live divided. We don't, we don't feel safe around people. What I've come to learn is that whether I'm being authentic or inauthentic, people are still going to dislike me. 
They're still going to criticize me. So I might as well be true to who I am. At least that way, I'll like me. And if I like me, I don't give a damn if you don't like me. I'm free to be me. I love me. Each and every one of us can experience that for ourselves. It's going to take courage, living from your heart, being willing to put yourself out there and experience the judgment and experience the hatred and experience the dislike. You will be okay. You will be fine. One of the best things that have ever happened to me in my life as a result of going through my own deconstruction journey, as a result of going through the divorce, is hearing people talk negatively about me. It, is, it has been such a great lesson for me in my life because it has taught me not to depend on other people's opinions for my happiness and my peace of mind. So at that point, if you're able to live authentically, in spite of the criticism, in spite of the judgment, what will be able to stop you? All right, LeBron James said the other day, I'm him, I'm him. I don't care if people don't like me, I'm him. I love that, you know? I mean, you know, we're not gonna do it that cocky here, but I'm him, you're her, you're him, you're you. Nobody else can be you. You are a unique incarnation of God on this planet. And you express God in such a unique way that no other being on this planet can do. Your fingerprint is unique. Your role is unique. Yeah, there's other people that do what you do, but nobody can do it the way that you do it. You bring a certain something to it because of how God has wired you. And so like we heard earlier, it is the privilege of a lifetime to discover that and to live into the truthfulness of it. And so my word of encouragement for each and every one of you today is to live as if no one is watching. You know, in, in church world and religious stuff, they like to say, live for an audience of one. And that's good too, if the one you're talking about is a God of love. But if it's like a dad up there, finger-shaking judge saying, don't do this, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> right? Like God's watching you right now. <laughs> you know, so some of us still have that association with it. So live for an audience of once. You can live by that if, you know, if the one is, is a beautiful picture of love. But I like to say live as if no one is watching. When nobody is watching, we're free. How do you, anybody dance around their house while they're cleaning it? All the women are like, yeah, of course. That's what I did yesterday. Okay? Anybody singing in their shower? Anybody, you know? We're, when nobody is watching, we are free to be ourselves, to express ourselves. Live as if no one is watching. Break off those shackles of inauthenticity that is way too much of a burden to carry. And this is the one life that you have to live as you. This is the one life that you have to live as you. Don't miss out on the greatness that comes with that because you're afraid. Be who you are. Enjoy it. Love it. And other people will love you too for it. When you accept, the, when you accept yourself, you'll start to see the world will accept you too. And even if they don't, you'll be fine. The people who are for you will be for you. You'll repel the people that aren't supposed to be in your life, and your tribe will come around you. 
You won't even have to work for it. They'll be attracted to you because of your essence, because of what's shining forth through you. So I want to end with this last quote from Osho. He says, The greatest fear in the world is of the opinions of others. And the moment you are unafraid of the crowd, you are no longer a sheep. You become a lion. A great roar arises in your heart. And that is the roar of freedom. Let's pray. God, we thank you for making us the way that we are. For so long we have denied ourselves. We have repressed certain aspects of ourselves just to be accepted, just to fit in, just to belong. There is such a high cost for being our most authentic selves. But that is why we are here. You made us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. And you put certain gifts in us. And you wired our personality in a certain way so that we can be a unique expression of divinity in this life. Help us not to waste our life. May we find courage to live from the heart, to take risks, to be bold about who we really are about how we see the world, about how we feel, about what we think. May we not be afraid to go there with people that we are in relationships with. Because to hide, just to avoid conflict, is to destroy those relationships. May we be courageous enough to be willing to offer feedback, to give critique, to share what's on our mind, and to deepen our relationships with one another as a result of it. God, help us to experience this roar of freedom. May we no longer live with this burden of, of pretending to be something that we're not. Give us the courage. Give us the strength by your spirit. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week. Catch you next Sunday.